Hey, before we jump into the podcast, just want to give a quick reminder, if you're new here to the Holistic Nootropics podcast, to please just take a quick second and subscribe to the podcast. It takes literally a second to do. Just hit the subscribe button right there in your podcast player. Also, if you want to help us out, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. Now, if you're more of a visual person, you like to actually watch the podcast, you can actually do that over on the Holistic Nootropics YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com, search Holistic Nootropics, You'll see our page pop up. Subscribe to that. Hit the little bell icon so you can get notified every single time new videos drop because we don't just do podcasts over there. We do product reviews. We do all kinds of nootropic and biohacking and holistic health topical videos. So go on over, check us out on the Holistic Nootropics YouTube page. And for all things nootropics, nutrition, and biohacking related, go on over to holisticnootropics.com. Okay, let's jump into the podcast. You're listening to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, your home for holistic, evidence-based cognitive enhancement strategies. And now your host, Eric Levi. Hey, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, where we discuss using nootropics, biohacking, and nutrition to help you boost your cognition. My name is Eric, and today on the podcast, I have Bob Troya. Bob, otherwise known as Quantified Bob, is a technology entrepreneur and citizen scientist who has been at the forefront of digital innovation and emerging technologies for two decades. He's a prominent voice of the biohacking community and quantitative self-movement, otherwise known as uh, Quantified Bob, documents his data-driven personal optimization efforts at the intersection of citizen science, health and wellness, human performance, and longevity at quantifiedbob.com. He's also been featured on CBS News, National Geographic, and in men's fitness. Now, I'm going to bring Bob in here in just a second, but just a heads up, Bob is actually going to be speaking at the Biohacking Congress taking place October 16th and 17th in Miami. Uh, tickets are available if you want to actually attend the, uh, attend the event, but if you can't attend the event, but you're still interested in listening to some of the most intelligent, high-level biohackers uh, in the space today, then you can actually do that online. They have uh, virtual passes available, and I've actually partnered with the Biohacking Congress, and they've given me a number of free tickets to give away to the Holistic Nootropics listeners and viewers. So uh, if you would like to win a pair of, uh, uh, or a virtual ticket for free on me to you, all you got to do is go on over to Apple Podcasts, leave the Holistic Nootropics podcast a five-star review, take a screenshot of that and shoot that over to me at info at holisticnootropics.com. I will send you back a free virtual pass to the Biohacking Congress. So um, simple to do. Go ahead and leave a review, send it to me. I'll send you a ticket and you can watch speakers like the great uh, Quantified Bob that we have today. Uh, Bob, welcome to the Holistic Nootropics podcast. Hey, Eric. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, I'm excited to talk to you because I think, you know, we have a lot in common in this space, um, but I'm absolutely fascinated um, because you're kind of one of these more old school biohackers. You were doing it before it became trendy and moms in Long Island were trying to do it. So, you know, because you've been in this space so long, I'm always curious, like how one even thought to get involved in a biohacking movement. So maybe you can start off, we can start off by going through a little bit of your story of, of how you became so into this biohacking space. So, I mean, my story goes way back to like high school days when, from athletics and, and trying to understand how to improve uh, athletic performance. And back then, you know, 
quantified aspects of, of training where like, you know, you had a scale or a tape measure or a stopwatch. We didn't have the technology and tools we have now, but we're always trying to figure out like what things can I do to get me the, the maximum result for, you know, with the minimum amount of uh, effort, let's say. And um, I was just always, you know, there's a certain type of person, I guess, that you tend to meet people in this space that are these just really inquisitive. They're, they just want to know what makes themselves tick. Um, you know, some people may come into this because they're trying to resolve a health issue or concern, but because I started so so far back, it was it started out as more about athletic performance. I was like a atypical hard gainer, skinny high school kid, but I was but I was really successful as in athletics, um, and so I was just like you know wanted to figure out how to do all that and get myself to a better place um, from diet and exercise, and you know I had to go to the library and take books out and learn about nutrition and, and you know how many calories. Um, you know, when you look at like protein versus carbohydrates and all this stuff we take for granted now. Um, and then as I, as I got older and into the real world, um, so I, I've been in technology now for over two decades and I started off as basically a software engineer, the early days of the web, uh, built some companies around like digital marketing and some of the earliest social, uh, media sort of technology platforms that like for, for brands and stuff that were out there. But I, out of a personal interest, I was always still trying to figure out this stuff around what, what, you know, makes myself tick. I, you know, it's kind of the typical thing when you get into the real world, you're working, you're really busy, there's stress, you've got life going on. You start getting out of shape. Maybe you start um, letting yourself go a little bit. And I definitely hit a bit of a low point, um, you know, several years out of, out of, out of college. And I kind of had this wake up call where I was like, I, I got to, you know, get myself back on the right path here. I don't want to like just give in and be like, that's it. You know, my days are done from being, you know, being able to do athletics and stuff like that. And so I started digging into like more of what was available from the tools and stuff that's out there, uh, understanding how to conduct these like, self experiments and things around that. Um, I, we were in, there was, you know, the word biohacking wasn't even you know, around for another few years. And, uh, actually, before that came around, there was a group uh, community called the Quantified Self Movement, uh, which is popularized by folks like Tim Ferriss, where this, these were people who were running self-experiments. And it wasn't just around health and wellness. It was anything where you're trying to click, gather data to understand things about yourself better. And it could be everything from, could be fitness and wellness and things like that. But it could be uh, relationships or people were like, figuring out things around their like location and driving and, and all that. And there is a bit of an overlap. So, you know, a lot of folks in the quantified self movement and the biohacking community kind of share a lot of the same principles. Um, but it was until a few years later where I, I had gone to a few conferences and I got, I was getting particularly inspired because I was watching all these people speak about their self experiments and I had been doing this, but I didn't really talk about it to anyone because I thought it, you know, people would be like, you're weird. Like, <laughs> like, what was this guy doing? You know, I didn't know there was anyone else really into this sort of stuff. And, um, and I just decided like, I'd just start blogging about it, like sharing my data, sharing my experiences, mainly just so I could get my thoughts down. It was really just more for a personal thing. And then I started seeing how people were finding this information and then they were getting inspired or they were trying to solve or identify certain things about themselves. And they would take what I had done and maybe apply it to themselves. And they realized like, we're all individuals, the results you'll get are going to be different than the results I get. And, and that was really the beginning of the, the quantified Bob blog. And I mean, I just, I had the night I started the blog, I was at a hotel in a hotel room at the conference. I registered the domain name at, just cause it was the first thing that popped in my head and started the blog. And then, you know, you fast, you fast forward a few years later and um, the, the sort of 
the biohacking community uh, began taking off. And now things are also evolving with technology and sensors and wearables and lab testing. And now you can like look even deeper inside of yourself. And, and, and it was less fringy from the standpoint of um, I was interacting a lot more with people in the medical community. And, and so understanding like different aspects of that. And as I was getting more educated, I was learning, I was able to go deeper and deeper into like some of the things I could discover or, or try to like track about myself. And, and, you know, now we are, here we are today. And it's like, a lot of this stuff, the prices have come down on a lot of this technology and testing, and it's very accessible to, to most people. Um, and so, so I hope that like what I share for with people are ways that they can apply this to themselves. That it doesn't have to be crazy. It's not about tracking a million things. Like, I mean, I, I track a lot of things, but a lot of it's largely passively collected. Like it's happening, like set it and forget it. And I can always go back and look at data. If I wasn't, if I wasn't tracking ahead of time, like I can never go back and look at something and be like, what happened last summer when I was exercising like this and my diet or weight was like this. And um, so it's better for me. It's like the idea of, of applying that, that there's a business phrase. It's like, you can't manage what you can't measure. And so I, you know, I just look at it that way. And, but I would say for anyone that's just kind of starting out and we can talk more about this, like you could just start very basic. You don't need crazy tools and apps and all that. I mean, you can take a notebook and a pen and paper and just a few you know, scale or a tape measure, and you can start very easily and just, you know, be, but either you're going to find, either you're tracking something for a specific reason, like you're trying to resolve something or figure out the source of something, or you're just trying to get, gather those insights about yourself to optimize something or just, you know, some people just go, oh, that's cool. I never knew that about myself. Um, and that's, you know, that's the beauty of it. It's just really, uh, uh, it, it's being an inquisitive type of person. Yeah. And what you said there is so key. What gets measured gets managed. And that's a thing that I, I think a lot about in this space. And while you were talking, that was like the phrase that popped in my head, what gets measured gets managed. And I think you have a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, polarities with that, you know, because you could have uh, the, the normal per the average person, you know, who isn't a biohacker, they're just somebody like, I just need to get my health together. I don't feel good. I just need to get my health together. And the first thing they obsess about is the scale. And I think of all the things you can track, I feel like that's the last one that you should be obsessing about because that number depends on so many different factors. And so like when people get obsessed with the scale, like I always tell people, if you are overweight and you wanted to lose 40 pounds, I could have you do that in a week, just fast, just don't eat nothing. But for 99.9% .9 of people, that's, that's an impossible thing to do. So then why would you be so obsessed with the number on the scale? If you know, you can manipulate it, but you know, it's also impossible. Why not work on these other things? And then the number on the scale is almost like a, um, uh, it's almost like a symptom of becoming better at doing the right things. And that includes like sleep and, uh, macro and micronutrients, uh, you know, metabolism readings, um, you know, exercise metrics, things like this, measure that stuff. And then the number on the scale will start to change. Right. And it, and it all, you know, if you're looking at the scale, it's a, if you're saying that's a proxy of how I feel about myself and I mean, listen, we all know, like, you can have the two people with the same body weight that look completely different. So, I, I mean, you know, you tell people, like, they could be losing fat and gaining muscle and the scale will stay the same, maybe even go up. And, but they're going to look much better, but, you know, visibly. Um, and so, I, I yeah, I, I think for someone who's getting into this, if they, you know, establish a goal, if, you know, if someone's goal is, like, look, I need, I need to get in better shape and do all that. 
it's better to give someone sort of a, you can, as, as a measure of progress, I mean, I, I, I literally think just a photo, <laughs> look at it yourself. You're happy. You're like, look, I, I see the changes happening. Don't even worry about the scale. And because like you said, it's, you can, people can obsess about something like that. And, but I do think, you know, it's valuable data points, but you don't have to look at it every day. Um, it's going to change every day. First of all, there's in, some inaccuracies with how those scales work. We can talk more about that. Um, but if you just zoom it out, like so if you take all your data points and they're all over the place, and then you zoom out, let's say six months, and then draw a trend line, that's going to give you a better idea of like really what was happening. Because day to day, like, I mean, my weight can be three pounds different from day to day, depends on the conditions. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean I put on three pounds of, of fat in one day. There's undigested food or that you, you had had a cup of coffee in the morning or, you know, there's all these things that could throw that off or, um, or you know, the temperature of the room, your feet have being slightly sweaty, let that can all throw those numbers off. So I do think, you know, with people tracking things, um, you know, we, we, like even with fitness, right. We, everyone's talked about steps, steps. is like, a, cause like that's their sort of proxy to like activity and there's different activities. Now you're seeing these fitness trackers that are trying to give you better insight about, well, you, your, you know, your estimated caloric expenditure was a certain amount and this much was at like low intensity versus high versus medium. And that can give people some insight too, as to like, you know, you basically your base, your base metabolic rate versus like, um, where you actually in a fat burn mode for most of the day, like by you walking for a period of time, um, you were doing an activity that would allow you to continue with that metab, you know, that fat burning metabolism, you know, for several hours afterwards. Um, but yeah, I, and I also think the big thing with, with self-tracking is that, you know, a lot of people are not going to be like data scientists. I mean, I'm not a data scientist, but like people don't necessarily want to use spreadsheets and all that. And so there are tools and apps and things that are coming out that mm. kind of help, you know, that, that can surface things for you and that um, give you that guidance, you know, and, that, and that's, again, we're seeing that with a lot of these um, wearables where they're, they're trying to, instead of just telling you how you slept or, or whatever, it's going to tell you like recommendations for the day or what you should do or not do. Yeah. The, the wearables and I mean, all of the, it's, it's so exciting, but it's so overwhelming um, at the same time, because, you know, yeah, it's like when you're measuring whatever it is, if it's your metabolism, if it's your sleep, um, you can't also forget that there's so many factors that go into why and how your body responds to certain things, right? Like you might be like a pro sleeper in your apartment, but what if you move and you move it into an apartment that now the window faces the east versus the west, right? And now you've got some sunlight, some more daylight coming in. Maybe you're more, maybe there's mold in the apartment. Maybe, you know, your own circadian rhythm changes based on the season of the year. So maybe you sleep better in the winter than the summer. Maybe you're more susceptible to viruses, whatever it is, and everything's going to change. And just because you have a little change, I, I think what the, the one problem I see with all of the data is the overreaction to numbers changing. And it's like, it's like you said, sometimes it's better to just set it and forget it and then come back and look, especially at the trends. Don't look at the day to day or the hour to hour, or maybe even the week to week, but see which direction the trend is going and then, you know, try to adjust based on that. But it's so easy to get lost in these numbers and overthink things. And to be honest, I think that's what the supplement industry really thrives on, you know? Yeah. I mean, even with sleep, like that's, you know, if I'm going to ask, if I ask a hundred people, like, what's the one thing you want to optimize and improve? Like probably 99% of those people are going to say, everyone says, <laughs> you know, I would love to have, I'd love to sleep better or improve that. And then, yeah, there are people who 
maybe they are sleeping fairly well. And then, but then they're looking at their data from a, a wearable and it says, you know, I'm getting 15 minutes of deep sleep and people obsess about the thing, they, but they got eight hours total. And they're like, but ah, I'm getting, I get no REM or no deep. Now, you know, if that's a long-term thing, they can look into what might be you know, affecting that. But a lot of times it's that the, the accuracy going between sleep stages like that can be off a bit. And so, I mean, I, I tell people just look at your duration of sleep, look at this um, disturbances, like, are you waking up throughout the night? And, and then you can do some things, you know, lots of experiments around how to optimize or, or figure out, you know, like how does temperature in the room affect your sleep versus light versus, um, you know, I, I do things like mouth taping where I'm forcing myself to breathe through my nose all night. So that'll prevent me from, you know, get ever like kind of having like not, not a full on apnea, but you know, breathing through your mouth and you're kind of like gasp for breath, you wake up. Um, there's, there's a lot of like techniques and, and experiments around that you can do. And when people will figure out like, what's the perfect setting for them. Like you said, if you then if you go from your perfect optimal bedroom space and you go somewhere else, like you're in a hotel or something, well, you know, there's going to, it's a different environment. So um, how do you, you know, there are things that could affect it. And, and with data, the beauty of having like that collected data is you can see those trends. Like, there, and we like with circadian rhythm and heart rate variability, it's see, like, I personally, like I see it seasonal. I have years of data and it's like seasonal. I'll see things go up in the summer, like down in the winter. Um, you know, it's almost, it's very predictable and, um, can almost, you know, know what's going to happen. Like I know in August, I'm going to have like my highest recovery HRV metrics and my, but my sleep times like tend to shift a little bit when like the sun's up later, sun rises earlier, that kind of thing. Um, even in, even though I had like blackout curtains in my bedroom, sometimes like I just, I still come, I'll just shift a little bit with that. So let me ask you this. What is the, the thing, like the biohacking thing that you're most excited about right now? Like if you had to choose one thing, I mean, you know, like some people are just getting into the aura ring. Like when I got my aura ring, it was like, it changed my entire life. And you know, not to even sound hyperbolic with that, but it literally did because then I started to see, oh, this is how alcohol affects me. This is how, when I go to sleep at this time versus this time. So how eating late affects me, right? So it literally changed my life because I changed all of those habits to get better aura scores, right? So I'm curious for you because you've been doing this a while and, you know, maybe the aura or some of these more common, like the Apple watch might be kind of old news for you. You seem to be more on the forefront. Like what is the most exciting thing for you that you're tracking or device or wearable, whatever it is that you, you you're messing with right now? Yeah. The area that I'm excited about right now is really in the area of just overall metabolic health. So everything from, you know, I, I, I've been wearing, I'm not diabetic, but I, for years I would slap on a continuous glucose monitor on the back of my arm and track my blood sugar continuously 24 hours a day, uh, just to see like what happens after certain types of food or certain meals. Cause like, and it's not about like, you know, fear of becoming diabetic as much as I want to see which things kind of give me an acute, like, Oh, that raises your blood sugar too high for a certain, you know, for too long amount of time, or while you're sleeping, your blood sugar may plummet. You may actually like, that can wake you up. Um, so with metabolic health, you've got consumer, um, basically products being built around continuous glucose monitors. So you slap this little sensor on the back of your arm um, and companies are building apps that kind of interact with that. And then they can give you insights on the data that's happening. So tracking meals, um, looking at exercise, uh, different effects uh, on that. And then there's other companies that are building products where using your breath can tell you if you're currently in a, a burning, what balance of fat versus, versus carbohydrates are you using for energy at the moment. So, um, you know, there are people like 
that like are keto and they want to be like always in fat burning mode, but then like, they're going to go do a heavy strength training workout at like four in the afternoon. And like, they may be, you can eat so, uh, for those types of people. They may, there may be times where carbohydrates will fuel you through a certain type of workout, but you're going to burn through them during the workout. And then your body, your mind, it's all about metabolic flexibility. Then you burn through those carbohydrates. Your body goes, great. I can use fat again. And you, and by the end of the workout, you, you check your breath again, like half an hour after the workout and you're like, I'm still in fat burn mode. So all those carbohydrates I got, I ate are gone already. Like I burned through them. And so that's an important kind of insight, like just under, understanding your flexibility. Cause, um, I, I do think the body ultimately it's like whatever you put into it should be able to use, um, that substrate and then switch back. I mean, I largely eat a, I'm in fat burn, you know, my, my diet is higher, like high fat, um, high protein, moderate carbs, but, uh, you know, if I'm doing certain types of activities, I want to be in more in that fat burn mode versus, um, carbohydrates or, or some balance of the two. So metabolic health for me is the, you know, big area. Cause I think that's going to affect the, a larger part of the population. Like, you know, performance is great for a certain type of, um, you know, a subset of our population, but when you talk about all the health crisis and stuff going on, um, you know, cause like, why are only diabetics having, you know, putting on glucose monitors. It's like a, that why you can, that's largely type two diabetes is, uh, largely you can see that coming like years in advance, um, through, you know, and that, and you can make lifestyle changes that can have a huge impact on, on potentially preventing it or even reversing it. And metabolic health, you can actually feel, you know, as opposed to like, I mean, gut health too, but, um, metabolic, metabolic health. Like if you are not metabolically inflexible, you're going to have a hard time staying satiated throughout the day. So you're constantly dealing with hunger. And if you're one of these people that you are trying to do keto, or you're trying to fast, I mean, being metabolically inflexible is going to make that really hard. You're going to get hungry a lot more. And when you're hungry and you're not eating, you become more irritable, anxiety, depression, those sorts of things. I talk a lot about that stuff on my channel. Um, because I do believe that metabolism, plays a huge role into cognitive performance, mental health. Um, that's it barely even talked about. Um, but I believe uh, one thing I use is the Lumen device. And I think that might be a thing you're talking about. Um, exactly. yep. I, I breathe in that thing every morning. And next to the Aura Ring, I would also say that thing has substantially changed my way of, uh, of living because you start to see, like for me, when I do it in the morning, I see how did yesterday affect me? What did I do yesterday? What did I eat yesterday? What time did I go to bed? And then you start to also understand that metabolism is more than just about what you eat. But it uh, again, it comes back to, like you said, activity level. Now it's about sleep. It's about stress, so much about stress. Um, and then, like you said too, you can see diabetes or metabolic syndrome or metabolic problems coming down the road. Let me nip that in the butt now with a simple device to just blow into. And then it keeps track of your data and then it makes um, nutritional recommendations. Um, I do think that is a, a, a huge tool that's so easy to use and, and a lot of people should be using it more. Yeah. I mean, I just think these are tools that are also like, I mean, a glucose monitor, you know, that requires in the U S a prescription still, but these other services, like they'll, they kind of bundle that in as part of their service, but like the Lumen device tools like that, there, you know, anyone can buy that. And, and it's just 10 seconds. You're breathing. It's not invasive. It's very, you know, it's not super inconvenient. I would say the only inconvenience of it is that you do have to use it regularly to get it, to get the insights. If you skip like a week, it, you know, it's gonna, you're gonna have to kind of like give it some, another baseline of data to kind of train it again, like as to where you are. But um, yeah, but there's a lot of stuff going on, you know, and then with, you know, all sorts of, there's all sorts of lab testing and things out there too. 
Um, and again, that comes down to what's convenient versus inconvenient. Um, and I, I, I think, you know, we're seeing services out there that you can do things now at home, send stuff back in. You don't have to go to a lab to, to do it. Um, so you can get that information back re- re- relatively quickly. And um, usually it's, you know, uploaded into some app or tool that you can access. So I, I yeah, for me, it's, it's just this idea of the convenience, these tools that, you know, you're, you're removing barriers for people. Cause I think that's a, a lot of it is like, if you make things just too much effort, people aren't, you're less likely to use it or they give up on it. Right. You buy something. I have a whole pile of old devices that, you know, it's like my junk pile. Like, you know, it's like things that I use and either I was like, well, they were good for a certain period of time, or they gave me like some insight. I know I no longer need the insight because I already learned it about myself and um, versus things that you're just going to use all the time. I mean, even the stuff we're using today, like I'm, I'm wearing one, two, three different wearables and you know, I, they do some of the data they collected similar. There's some differences, but I know in five years, I won't be wearing, you know, there's going to be another generation of, of, of stuff out there and largely potentially even invisible. Like for all we know, it could be like a bandaid you just slap on your arm and that does everything. You know? Yeah. So that's, that's why I'm excited about all of that. I'm willing to do, I mean, the, you know, the first generation of the aura was like twice the size of this one. The next one will probably be even lighter and smaller and, you know, and then other tools and the data and the things that they can measure are, are improving over time. Do you find with those three, I'm guessing that's an aura whoop and biostrap. Actually, this is an Amazon Halo. It looks oh. like a Whoop, but so Amazon came out with a wearable device. Um, the main reason I got it was when they first launched, they off, there's like a deal. They pay like uh, 60 bucks for this device, but their app, which it still needs some work, but it has one cool feature that I got it for, which is you can set it up on a, you can set your camera, your phone up on like a tripod or on a table and you stand back and it will create a 3D mapping of your body and give you your body composition data. And you can then look at your, so not just having photos of yourself to show progress, but it gives you like these rendered 3D um, that you can rotate images, like images. Um, and over, you know, and over time you can, you can swipe through it and go, Oh, look what I look like last month versus this month. Um, there are, there are better, like more high definition things out there. Like you have to go to a facility and you stand on like a, uh, like a, like a platform that rotates and it will take them with a bunch of, just, but this is just doing it from your phone, which is kind of cool. Um, that was the reason I got it. But, um, I also like just looking, I use these three right now because I'm just trying to compare mainly it's on the sleep metrics to see, um, where things kind of go out of, go out of whack, um, sometimes. And sometimes it, it sometimes it's the devices that are just not matching information, but then sometimes it could be user error. Like if you were, if, if you wore something loose while you're sleeping, it maybe didn't take some readings or the ring rotated and the sensors are up on the wrong side or mm-hmm. things like that, or your arm fell asleep. That all that stuff can affect your data. So I also tell people when they look at their data and are comp- like, com- you know, it says they're something about their sleep or their heart rate variability. I was like, well, let's look at it in detail and I'll see there's big gaps. And I'm like, you can't, you got to throw that out from last night because like you clearly like you either, <laughs> you either like fell asleep on your arm or, or like the ring, you know, something happened. And so just ignore it. Don't, don't take that as like, Oh, that was really what happened last night. Yeah. That happens a lot with the aura. Um, uh, but I, what I was going to ask is between those three uh, devices um, for you personally, do you notice that they all, for the most part, tell the same story or are they, do you, do you see them kind of varying a little bit? Uh, general, like the general metrics around activity. Yes. Uh, sleep, like what time did you fall asleep or wake up disturbances? 
fairly consistent. Um, the BioStrap and the Aura Ring, also they both will track your heart rate variability overnight while you're sleeping. And those numbers tend to correlate pretty well, like, you know, fairly, fairly close. Uh, the, the, the Halo doesn't give you that. Um, I would say, you know, there are definitely times where um, I will see like a big, like a discrepancy. And that's mostly when I get to like some, some nights, like sleep stage information is just off between the devices, but the total time and the disturbances and all that are very similar. Interesting. Um, yeah. And, but also like the biostrep, then like this has a, uh, the sensors on this can also do like overnight, like blood oxygen saturation. So, mm-hmm. um, I think, so that's cool to like see overnight that helps, you know, again, maybe you have disturbances overnight because you're, you're, you stop breathing or something and your blood oxygen is dropping and like yeah. you wake, you wake up gasp for breath or something like that. And you know, you could see that. Um, whereas the other devices don't um, record that they don't have that sensor to do it. Um, so it's just a nice, you know, extra, extra feature. Um, also like there's times where like I, one device, like if I go to the gym and I'm grabbing like a barbell, I, I can't really wear this aura ring. So I'll, I'll, you know, just cause I don't want to scratch it up on the, sure. on the barbell. Um, but you know, it's, you can still log the, you know, manually say I worked out for an hour. I did weight you know, strength training though. It's going to give you a general, like caloric expenditure, you know, estimate based on, based on that. So yeah. And, and then the next day it'll say something like, well, it looks like you had an exceptional, the HIV activity or whatever, and that affected your sleep. And, um, even though I don't use the aura for fitness tracking, I think it just kind of generally knows like if that number is much higher and I know it was higher. Um, and then the next day my readiness is, is in the tank, then yeah, it's a, it's an interesting correlation to make. Yeah. And I think well, people that are more like in performance, um, you know, they're going to use devices like, like there's like Garmin's been making, you know, cause they want to like track their, their run and look through all the, the you know, GPS on the route and all that. Um, personally, like if I do any, I don't run a lot, I play soccer. So most of my stuff's just running up and down a field. But, um, but if I do decide to ever go for a run, I'll just fire up like run keeper because GPS on the, on your phone. And so I'll just have mm-hmm. that like strapped to my arm. And then um, I compare that with like a chest strap. So like like a polar chest strap. So I'll get my heart rate um, information like right in with it. Um, you know, if I don't want to like, sh- if I don't want to stream it off any of these real time. Yeah. But yeah. There's some aura metrics that I've really like just become obsessed with. Uh, I shouldn't say obsessed, but I've, that have really like taken my thinking of the body to another level. Um, one of those is heart rate variability. Um, because when I think about heart rate variability, and the story that it tells, uh, it's such an interesting story to understand your own physiology in terms of like parasympathetic, sympathetic, stress, uh, you know, rest and digest, all these different things. And yeah, you know, you can measure deep sleep, but that can be different for everybody. Yeah, you can measure REM, that could be different for everybody. But when you see your HRV numbers and you start to understand how those trends work for you, and then you can correlate those to like how your day was, what your stress level was, what time you went to bed. I mean, to me, that number tells a very interesting tale of how I'm feeling, like what I'm kind of going through in my body at that point, along with the heart rate as well. Those typically work hand in hand, high heart rate variability, low heart, uh, high heart, low heart rate, vice versa. So, um, and then the temperature I think is also real interesting. Um, I know women are using, um, that with the advanced women, uh, are using that for, uh, for pregnancy, like, you know, and for their, uh, menstrual cycles. And so I I think these are some interesting metrics that you can really dive deep into like what your body is doing in real time. 
Yeah, and uh, and even more important, which we've learned over the last year and a half, is you can use this data to almost predict when you're going to be sick. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see it days in advance. You will see your your heart rate going up, your body temperature rising, your breathing rate overnight will go way up. Um, and there's all these studies that were being done, you know, just looking at data from a population and saying, did you get sick or not? And they're looking at the people who did get sick, and they're fig- they're, they were looking through which metrics and like you know that, like. That's why I was like blood oxygen saturation. Like I was paying close attention to that because I was like, <laughs> mine's always at a good level. And I was like, if that starts dropping like over time. I'm like, that means there, that could be, you know, something going on. So, um, so I do think like there's this whole, you know, that more acute like prevention where people are, you know, with, and now we've got a lot of people working with doctors and tra- you know, people remotely. And so being able to share that data real time back um, and, and, you know, kind of set the alarms can go up like, way sooner than you you actually decide to go in and say hey doc i'm not feeling well like you, you can yeah. see that a few days in advance yeah and you can get your ivermectin i shouldn't say that uh <laughs> next topic um no actually i got covid uh, a month ago and it was crazy because i got it and then it like hibernated in my body for a couple of days and then it was i think the third day it just exploded. I mean, I just woke up 103 degree fever. It was, it was nuts. And I could look, I, first thing I did, I looked at my aura score and my aura scores were terrible, but even more telling my body temperature was up. I think it was plus 7.0 or something like that. And I mean, my HRV was like 16. My heart rate was like in the seventies, which for me is very high. I mean, these numbers are just astronomical compared to like my regular trends, but then when I recovered from COVID, like when I got over it, it was, it took me about a a week to kick like a majority of it. My HRV went through the freaking roof. Like I average between fifties and sixties, typically like, like an average HRV. My HRV was like in the eighties and nineties and it was peaking over 200. It was like my body beat the virus and then was like, we're going to Cancun, baby. We're taking it easy. Grab me a cigar. The body's just, it just chilled out. It was just the most most insane like swing of data I've ever seen on the aura ring. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually, I think it's fairly common. Like even if someone gets like a flu or something like that, it's, there's like a hyper recovery, like your body when it rebounds, it just, um, you, you see it kind of like overcompensate almost like from what, from what your baseline was. Um, so yeah, so, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting, uh, observation here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's so interesting. I just love, I just love diving into those numbers and people that I work with, you know, when I'm, uh, you know, as an NTP, um, you know, I encourage them to get the aura ring. I don't say you have to, it can be expensive for some people, but, um, like when people first get into it, it's, you know, it's a game changer, but even more than that, like you don't have to do all of this stuff to really gain the benefits of data. Like one thing I I do with people, and I've mentioned this hundreds of times on this podcast, but like with clients that I work with, I will have them keep a food and mood journal. And the mood part is the most important part because I say, don't do anything different. Don't go on a diet. Just do what you do for three days. Just eat normal. Just write it all down and, you know, write down what you eat, write down your bowel movements, write down the vitamins you take, write down your, um, write down most importantly, how you feel. And what you start to see is people actually, when they start keeping track of these things and they go, okay, woke up, had a, you know, had a, um, a, a 
a pop tart, uh, a glass of orange juice and followed that down with a coffee. And then an hour later I was starving and I felt cranky. And then two o'clock, three o'clock rolls around. Well, for lunch, I had like a bologna sandwich and a bag of potato chips. Two o'clock, I got real depressed and cranky. Three o'clock, I was exhausted and tired. And then when they, it's like something about writing it down and looking at it and going, oh, okay. Could the foods I'm eating potentially affect the way I feel? And when you start asking yourself that question and just writing these things down, it's the biggest game changer you could have for somebody in terms of like when they start to really make the connections between something like nutrition, lifestyle, and just how you feel throughout the day. Yeah. I think that self-awareness is hugely important. And I also think like what you're doing, you're adding a level I mean, you're not saying to someone like you're a terrible person. You're just saying, just keep, keep a log. I'm not judging you, but there is a level of accountability because they know they're going to, it's going to be kind of watched. So they're going to start questioning decisions that they're making. They're, you know, they'll, they'll see the mood in relation to food, but then all over time, like let's say you're working with them and they're making some progress, um, improving their health or fitness, or whatever, then they'll start, they'll realize like, wait, when I do this, it's, I feel better or, you know, I, I'm in a better place versus when I, if I don't do it. And so they start changing those, you know, th those decisions on their own versus you saying to someone, don't do this, don't do that. Right. Um, that's what I've learned, like even with, through coaching people, is like, yeah, add a you 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 add a positive behavior, and you never tell someone don't do anything. You just you just say add something, very simple. That could be a very basic behavioral change or or addition, and you know, and tell them don't change anything else you're doing. And they over time, people will naturally start to um, you know, make they'll see that and make those choices, those better choices. Right. So nutritionally, are there any experiments that you've run on yourself? Um, you know, any extreme things that you've done or even just kind of normal things you've kept track of that to you was a game changer and you, and it actually kind of changed your behavior around food. Yeah. I mean, one of my earliest experiments like that, I'd really thoroughly documented through like lots of lab testing and all that was, when the, the bulletproof diet, like so paleo was kind of a new thing and the bulletproof diet came around, I think it was 2012 or something like that. And I was, you know, I drank lots of beer, ate lots of gluten, <laughs> I did all this other stuff. And, you know, I wasn't like, I was not in the best shape, but I was, you know, it was okay. But I, but I was on the outside, I probably looked okay. But on the inside, I was just like, I was exhausted. I was like, I was running my business and like, you know, I had to be always like, positive a game all that kind of stuff and and but inside i remember one day i was just like i curled up on the couch i was like i'm, I'm so exhausted i'm so just worn out and you know i i kind of changed up my diet and i was like wait because i was eating like super low fat diet like lots of carbs and i was like when i switched my thinking around all of that and you know quality of food as well um that had a huge impact and i saw it in all like you know, like underactive thyroid originally, like I had, and then it, like that seems like that would improve, um, just, you know, that kind of sluggishness. There were some like underlying issues with auto, like not autoimmune, like, uh, co-infections and things like that, that it just hadn't been resolved. And so all that stuff was kind of had been built up over, over years. And as you kind of peel back those layers of the onion, <laughs> you start making those improvements. But so that was like more of like a, you know, just changing my mindset around what I eat and how I eat, um, adding things like intermittent fasting into my regimen. Uh, and then I got into the experiments around, uh, I've done everything from like a, a five day water fast to smaller fast to, oh, I, there's another type of fast called like a fasting mimicking diet that has a minimal amount of calories over five days. And I did, I tried them all out, just documented, took, you know, shared all my data, showed people how I did it. And, um, you know, I think some of that for, 
uh, for me, like, uh, like, a, a five day water fast for me was like a pretty great, like I wasn't trying to, I'm not trying to lose weight or anything. It's, it's, it's actually more of like, give your body a chance to reset. It's like a metabolic reset. Um, just, you know, even, cause even people who like those, like go off coffee for like a week, just reset your body for, you know, for, I mean, it's tough, right? Just, I, love, I love coffee too, but like every, you know, once in a while, just stop for a few days and then you can reintroduce it. And, but, um, but like doing a water fast, like just seeing like after even just three days of that, watching, um, my body switch, you know, the shift from uh, your, your baseline glucose versus ketones and your body shifting to like, use, you know, running on ketones. And once that really happens, you start, you feel it. Like you feel that, that, that fuel source really more in your head. You're, you're more alert. Your any brain fog goes away. Um, I had some like, like REM sleep, like dream state sleep. I had, you had like amazing dreams. Cause like, it's, it's, it's just a weird, um, you know, thing when you the first time you do it. Um, but if there's, but a three day water fast for me, it was like, that's also like really powerful. I'll do like a three day water fast every quarter and a five day, maybe like once a year. And that's for me, it's like periodic little resets. Um, and then intermittent fasting, I've, you know, I, I incorporate that, you know, probably at least five days a week. You know, I, I just won't really eat my first meal till probably around like noon, uh, have a little bit of some coffee in the morning. Um, but I'm still eating, you know, the enough calories throughout the day. It's just, I'm eating it in a smaller window of time. I love the I love the eating window thing. It's just uh, I had another guest on here who who actually summed it up well. He, I think he said it's like a an excellent um, like time management tool or feeding management tool or something like that. Because to me, that's what it is. It's like if you know before intermittent fasting, it's like eat like right when you wake up. Uh, and then just kind of munch throughout the day and then don't stop eating till you, it's close to bedtime. Right. So you have like, I mean, what, like 14, 15, 16 hours of just eating, um, versus like, it's actually, it feels much better to just condense everything into a smaller window and, uh, you feel more satiated, you feel more metabolically stable. Yeah. And there, but there's days where, I mean, I have to, you have to also listen to your body a bit. Like there are days where like maybe, I did a lot of activity the day before. And then I, it's like a Sunday morning and my body's like, let's, let's have like a big breakfast today. Like there's days where I will just, you know, I, I'm not doing intermittent fasting every day of my life. It's like probably five of the seven days a sure. week. And then, and there's a day where my body just goes, okay. You know, I'm not like, I would say I'm like, my body can adapt to being fat burn mode, but I, I will be like, um, Hey, today you need some carbs. Like like your body's just like, I could feel it energy wise, like, like based on what I had done activity wise. And, you know, I'm okay with that. Like, cause I know like things will shift back, um, as soon as I do it. So I do think intermittent fasting is a, it's a powerful tool. I mean, I think for, you know, there's definitely, there's some caveats there with, um, you I mean, if you read around, like, um, I think with women, especially like, um, there's time, you know, there's times where certain people probably shouldn't be doing it all the time. Um, just, you know, just from that standpoint, but I do think it's a powerful, you know, it's a nice tool in the toolkit and it doesn't cost anything. What, um, lab tests are you into? Cause I, I, I'm sure you, you've done quite a few. Um, but are there any that, you know, uh, of course, like a regular CBC is, is well, is all well and good, but like, uh, you know, like, are there any tests that you particularly like to do a little more regularly because you find that it, it kind of helps keep you a little more on track? Yeah. So I think everyone should just always get at least once a year, like their baseline, you know, blood, blood work done and just see like what things look off there. And then, cause some people like get go exotic right off the bat. They're spending thousands of dollars on all these tests and it's all this information. And then you don't even know like the things are out of whack. Like what, well, how do I fix, you can't fix all of it at once. So you start with the, get your, 
baseline sort of uh, blood tests done. And then you can start figuring out like, is there something you want to dive deeper on if something happened to look off? Um, like for me, um, like I do a lot of testing through a company called Inside Tracker. Mm. So they'll, um, you know, that's this major basic sort of blood work kind of thing, but it's, um, you know, but they do a nice job of packaging up the results and, and, and all of that. And then I'll look in there and see if anything kind of seemed off. Um, so, and, but then periodically, like I've been looking at, I just got results back the other day. I did a, so an omega six, omega three, three, six, like the ratios of your omega six, omega threes, um, which, uh, you know, it's kind of showing your body, like, you know, we want to have like a lot of you know, omega threes, like EPA and DHA we get from, everything from like uh, seafood and, and, th- and things like that. Um, we, it, that's what that, those are what make up the, the cell walls of our body. And, um, and so like we eat a lot of processed food, like the average Americans like ratio is, is in like the twenties and really optimally it should be like, like at four or lower. And, um, and so like typically people who are eating like a, a paleo type diet will, you know, kind of be in that range. But, um, but what people start doing is they'll start slamming a bunch of fish oil, <laughs> trying to get that, get the numbers down. Right. But really it's, it's a ratio. So it's, you're, you're not supposed to eliminate like some, you need some omega sixes in your diet. And so when I did my first round of testing, I was pre, I was in pretty good shape, but I was my ratio. Like I wanted to move it a little more into the optimal zone. So I was like, well, what do I do? Do I cut out, you know, any, you know, don't never ever eat any chicken again or things like that. And I was like, no, I'll just add in, because basically it was off by like, they have a calculator that shows you like, well, if you just add like a can of sardines every day, like you're going to, you're going to get your numbers in the optimal zone. So I retested three months later and everything shifted. It was like pretty predictable. And, um, you know, so I didn't have to make any, I didn't have to eliminate anything. I just added something in and that, and I didn't, you know, I didn't have to take like five grams of fish oil a day. I was getting from natural sources. That's good because you're right. A lot of people will like, they think of omega six and it's like, it, it can kind of freak them out, but you don't realize that it actually, you, you can make simple substitutions in your diet. So yeah, if you are eating a lot of processed food, you're going to get a lot of omega six naturally, but omega six, actually, it's not the last thing you want it. You, you need some from, but again, it's just kind of, you could also boil that down to just, Hey, whole food versus processed food. You know, if you, if you stick to that, you're probably going to fall within a good range. Yeah. And in the same test, like they also add in, like, um, you can see like levels of trans fats in your system. Like, mm. I mean, there are actually trans fats in some like natural foods, like certain meats and all that. So you, you're sure. gonna, you know, it's, it's okay. You're going to get some, but we, we talk about trans fats and processed foods. Though, that's the problem. That's why the government is largely trying to eliminate them because <laughs> they know that they're not um, good for us. But I, but I, you know, I think having that, that, that's a test that like, I think is good. But I think for someone who's, you know, right now they're, they're just like focused on losing a little bit of weight. It's like an exotic test. Like there's all these tests to predict your biological age. So, you know, it's like you had your chronological age and then your biological age. And um, they're doing things like telomere testing or mm-hmm. looking at different markers. And again, it's largely, I call that an exotic test. It's like a vanity metric for some people. Um, and, and if you, there's like five different ways to get um, this, biological age testing done and they'll all give you a different number more or less. Cause like they do it in different ways. And so, um, you know, so I, I would say if you do it twice and you see an improvement, that's probably accurate. Like you, you made an improvement, but the number is, is usually they're just putting you against a pool of all the other people who use that service of your, in your same, you know, age range, let's say they look at the comments and the common trends there. Um, there are some that are using more like through biomarkers and biometrics where then they're like looking at stuff from studies to be like, well, if you're, um, you know, the 
the, there's another metric for like arteri arterial stiffness called pulse wave velocity. Like if your pulse wave velocity is in this range, that's in the average like 30 year old, you know, and things like that. But, um, I, you know, I, I, I think with, um, body composition, even like, uh, we've got things like DEXA scans now, um, which uses a very small amount of radiation. It's very small. So it's not like an x-ray or anything like that, but it lets you see inside a little more. You can see like, well, okay, you've got some body fat. Is it, is it visceral versus, you know, is it just like subcutaneous, you know, right under the skin, you know, is it like, is it potentially dangerous or you just have this like little layer outside and, um, and you get things like bone density. Cause I think keeping, keeping tabs on your bone density is pretty important, but all that's going to shift in a few years. Cause now we're already seeing MRIs like can do this and there's no radiation. Like, you know, the cost just has to come down more cause it is coming down, but it's, um, the speed of them has to get better and the price will come down and then you just go get an MRI. And it's like, it's cool. It's, you can have every little slice of your body in three dimensions and see everything that's going on there. And you couple that with what's coming out now with um, like, there's a, a, a metabolomics and uh, where they're like basically from a drop of blood, they look at these different metabolites in your system and they can detect things like different types of cancers or mineral deficiencies, things like that. And, um, and that's where it's all going to go. I think where, it, you, we're all going to have like our, our phones at home and we'll have a little mass spectrometer hooked up to it that you take your drop of blood, you put it on there. Mm. It's, it uploads the data. And then some, you know, there's some machine learning in the cloud thing where it, it's, it knows what to look for. And it'll say like, okay, you know, this is your personalized supplement regimen if you need things or these are things you need to do. And it may change week to week, right? It might be like, okay, you know, we're going to change this up now. You've been doing this for the past month. Now we go here versus the like, you know, the, everyone being like, Oh, I'm worried that I've got this disease or, you know, cause maybe the average person is healthy. We're, you're always going to find other things in your body. It doesn't mean you, you're like, it's out of control and you're going to, um, you know, be at risk of like dying. Yeah. I think the overall theme in, in everything you just said is kind of decentralized, personalized, self-responsible health information. So it's like, if, these things that you could do, you know, where there is more testing. I mean, I just think about the amount of uh, urine, poop, blood, and spit that's just flying around the country every single day. Um, more and more people are catching on and getting involved in these tests. So you don't have to go to your doctor and nothing against doctors. I have plenty against doctors, but not to disparage doctors at all. But there's just so many MDs out there that are just so not with what's happening. You know, it's like they got their education and then they just stopped reading studies. And then, you know, I go to doctors and I had COVID. This doctor is like, take an antibiotic. I'm like, why would I ever do that? Like, you know, I, and not, I'm sure this guy's smarter than me. He's way more education than me. But at the same time, like, even I know I'm not going to take an antibacterial for a virus. Right. So like the more that people can go to their doctor and actually question them and stop being so intimidated, the more you start to take. And this was my own personal transformation when I lost my health insurance. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do without going to the doctor? It's like you mm -hmm. start doing this stuff yourself. And, yeah, you're not a scientist, but the technology is making it so you don't have to be, you know, the AI is making it so you can just start reading these numbers. And the more that you do, the more you become interested, the further you go with it, the better care you take of yourself. Um it all just kind of comes together in a beautiful alchemy. And I think, I think the future is amazing. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not here to put down doctors. I mean, I'm friends with lots of doctors and sure. there's a lot of great ones out there. Um, Absolutely. The thing is you got to find, you know, like talk to one, you don't like that doctor, go talk to another one. And you know, you can find people with certain specializations. So you talk about functional integrative practitioners, things like that. 
there, you know, these, and there's also some MDs that like, it might be more of a generational thing for all I know. I, I just see like, there are people that get it. Like they are they're more and more like, and I think part of it is this whole, like we talk like biohacking and all this, it's moving from like the fringes to like as much like research and things are being done. You're seeing papers and it's because it's the legitimacy of like some of these things are being brought to the forefront. So when we talk about this, you know, let's not talk about, you know, implanting chips in our, under our wrists or something like that. It's more like what we see like metabolic health and things like that. And doctors like, yes, this, these interventions, these things really work. Um, you know, yes, there's always going to be debates over like taking this longevity drug or, you know, cause, cause in rats or worms, it made them live twice as long. Um, it, but, but I think there's from general like lifestyle and, and that, that sort of thing. And, and the other thing to keep in mind is we're going to move to like, even if like AI, but even before we get to that, I mean, you're going to have essentially like a, it's more of a team like you instead of just being one-on-one with your doctor you may have two two people with different areas of specialization and you may have another person like not not someone like me but like it could be someone who's like can interpret data because doctors aren't always the data interpreters like they know they can read results and go this is that but they don't they're not going to go in and do correlations and, and and figure out all find all these interconnections of what's going on there um and so I think, you know, you, you think of it that way. It's like, you think of your, your wellness team, you're going to have, you may have a personal trainer, you have a doctor, you have some other specialists and, and, and they all can work together in some ways too, even though they're looking at different, slightly different snapshots of your overall, um, your overall picture, you know? So that, that's where I kind of see it going. Um, and then because everything has gone more remote now, it's much, e- I think it's actually easier to find some people because like you can find the poem that you like to work with and they don't have to be in your town right. be across the country. I mean, it's, you know, you know, a lot of the stuff now, I mean, I'm talking to some doctors now that are shifting like most of their practice now is being shifted to all at home testing. Like, yeah. they, cause they work with people all over the country and they can't come into their office or can't. Come. So they just say like, what I'm going to, you know, send stuff to you or send you to a local lab. We'll get all the things you need. And I have all, and I can monitor your data remotely if you need to. Cause like something like blood pressure, you can just take it home. It gets the data immediately. And, um, you don't have to, you know, it's not, uh, something you have to necessarily go to the, go to, go to the office, doctor's office for. So, I mean, I, I'm excited about all that. And I think from a larger perspective with using data, I, I mean, I always tell people this, it's about like this, we have these like check engine lights like in our cars and having it for our bodies. It's like, we can see things ahead of time coming at us and be able to go that check engine lights go, it's going off. It's like a warning, like, okay, you're still okay right now, but just be aware, like, <laughs> you know, down there, you know, if you don't make some changes right now, things, things can go off the rails. Yeah. The, it's such an important conversation. I, I, I wish we had more time to, to talk about it because I love diving into just personalized health, empowering people to, to really, you know, because we're just two normal dudes. Like, we, you know, you're not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. And I think that's the most important thing, even higher than this conversation to build a sustainable healthcare system because right now it's, it's not sustainable, but you know, we're looking at doctors and they have like five minute, um, you know, their appointments are like five to eight minutes because they just are, they're so overwhelmed. They don't have time to actually sit there and work with a person individually. But when we're talking, well, how does a person improve their health? How does the normal person, well, you start tracking it and you start, you start empowering yourself to do these things. And, you know, then we slowly start taking money out of the insurance companies. We slowly start taking money out of the pharmaceutical system, because once you start getting into your, into being the main, um, source for your own health information, you start to realize, well, like maybe I, maybe I can go without this blood pressure medication and start, 
fixing things about my diet because I'm wearing this continuous, continuous glucose monitor and I could see what foods are spiking my blood sugar. And then I'm blowing in this thing in the morning. I'm seeing like, am I burning more fat or carbs? And I'm seeing how eating late and eating processed foods affects my sleep. And I need my deep sleep for better recovery and better endothelial function and whatever. And then that comes back to blood pressure. And this is why I don't need my blood pressure medication. And then, you know, it, you start putting together all of these data points. It empowers you and, you know, ultimately we can't help it. This is going to be the future. It's just who has the will to go there. Yeah. And I mean, listen, I, I think the average person, it, it really comes down to, it's just that we don't have enough education out there around Absolutely. health and it's not ignorance. It's, I mean, that's what we tend to think with people, but I, I, I give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And I do think it's just like, so if you can get people educated more, you know, they don't have to be scientists or you know, data scientists or anything like that. I just think just understanding some basic principles, but you know, you have to start learning that stuff earlier in life. And, um, we don't, you know, having, having that baseline of education, like it means taking me 25 years of just, you know, stuff on my own and I'm diving into it. But imagine if, you know, you better educate people when they're like teens, you know, starting then, I think you could, they could start developing the, the awareness, you know, um, over time and, and make, and make those better decisions. Yeah. That's my, that's my opinion. <laughs> no, I think, I think you're right on. I think you're right on. I think this is an, a very interesting conversation. And, um, uh, I think you hit on something very, very, uh, uh, crucial that, that, um, you know, yeah, we, people need more education in just, I mean, just basic health, not nothing advanced. You know, when people start to realize like, Hey, it's just so easy to understand if you, you can understand these things from a 30,000 foot view and not have to worry about like, you know, uh, ACE2 receptors and the SLA2 gene enzymes and, you know, protease and bilirubin. And all. You, you could understand these things from a, from a very low level and still make drastic improvements to yourself and feel so much better. I mean, Weight Watchers has been living off that model for what, 50 years, you know, it's like, Hey, this food is this points. This food is this points dirt. Do you get it? So, you know, we are capable of it. It's just getting people just, just moving people in that direction. Yeah, no, totally. I, I, I think, you know, it's going to take time, but I, I'm optimistic. We'll, we'll work our way there. Yeah. Um, Maybe can you tell me a little bit about, uh, it's just awesome.com. Sure. So um, I'm the co-founder of a, basically it's a health and wellness technology studio, some emerging tech in there as well called Awesome Labs. Um, business partner, Jeremy and I, we, we actually met like eight years ago at the first ever biohacking conference. So it was this kind of, you know, I built a lot of friendships out of that first event. It was really like 40 people at a bar that was rented out in San Francisco for the weekend. But like we, we started a company a couple of years back. Um, really, it was just a playground for us because we're both uh, we have technology backgrounds. We both know how to program and all that. And we wanted to build some tools that for ourselves that just weren't really out there. And we would, you know, it was a place where I could, we could build like a, a really basic breathing app that I wanted something that I could set all the durations and times, no frills, like no, not no meditation, no anything like that. I just wanted something where I can just have a breathing pacer and do it. And so we build something like that and we'd launch it, give it away for free. And, you know, tens and thousands of users around the world use it. Cause it's like, it seemed that, you know, it resonated with people. They were like, I, I was like, yeah, I just wanted something really basic that does so this tool. We built apps around, uh, well, the first thing we ever built was actually a meal tracking app, but we were doing, we wanted something that was all just photo based. So don't even, you don't have to write down what it was. You just like, you put it photo based, but then put by superimposing it on like on a timeline day by day, you can actually see like patterns. Like you always have that second cup of coffee at 9am or, mm -hmm. um, you know, you tend to eat this late night, you know, 
have a bowl of ice cream at, at 10 p.m. and things like that. And so we are, you know, kind of playing around with some of those tools. And, and we're in the process now of, of building a much higher level sort of uh, platform around data-driven coaching um, that we think is going to be pretty cool. Like basically anyone can use, like we're not, we're not preaching any way of being healthy or whatever. It's just that my background in data and, and our, our biohacking and sort of QS um, experiences, like we just wanted something that um, when we talk about things like teams and all that, like be able to, you know, share my data with different, different people in different ways and collaborate on, on um, my sort of, in your, in your own wellness journey, whatever you want that to be. And so um, we're pretty excited about it. You know, it's still like in a very early alpha stage, we've got some friends and family kind of uh, kicking the tires on it, but it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, it's my whole thing was like, I'm never going to tell someone how to coach or be a doctor or tell them, you know, I want to give them the tools to surface insights and then let them like, if you want to be a vegan doctor around something, I'm not going to tell you not to do that, but I'm going to let you see the data and let you see what's going on with any of your people. And then if you're just an individual, you know, you could also then share that or with your family or, you know, loved ones, things like that. Yeah, it looks it looks like it's it's definitely coming along, and uh, I, I like the concept of it. You know, it goes a lot about like what we've been talking about here in this conversation, which is like building a team, empowering professionals and um, patients, and then you have an NFT aspect to it, which I thought was kind of cool. No, that, well, so that's okay. <laughs> that has nothing to do with health and wellness. That sure. was actually um, so Jeremy and I. Um, we we just got into digital collect NFTs are like these digital collectibles off the blockchain they've gotten really popular in the last like six months. And we were realizing like the way you, there was no way to organize. I mean, people were buying these things and you kind of own the rights, to this digital asset. Uh, so we built an app that like lets us, or you pull everything into one place and look at your whole collection. And so we were, we did like a hackathon. We built something over the course of a week. We're like, let's just see, we'll build something and see, you know, see what happens to it. And then we built it. We ended up spending three weeks building it because we were getting excited about it. And then we launched it and then it started taking off. So now we're like, oh, wow, it's a cool, like, I mean, that's kind of like the, the whole premise of what Awesome Labs is like by being this sort of health, wellness and emerging technology studio, it's our playground to, we, we basically conceive, we build, we launch these different products. And um, because, you know, we can do this with just like two people because we're, um, we both can program, we, we can do things very um, efficiently. And, you know, and, that, and that's what's cool about technology. Like you don't need teams of 20, 30 people to do something. You can just get two people in a room and they can, they can make some cool stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm excited to see where it goes. It's, that's Thanks. really cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I really appreciate your time today, Bob. I don't want to take up too much more of it. I know we've, uh, we've gone a little bit over, but um, you know, just to kind of wrap up uh, if somebody listening or watching wanted to keep, uh, keep up with you, work with you, any of that stuff, where would you send that person? Sure. The easiest place would be my website. So just quantifiedbob.com. And that's the blog. That's where I put the longer form sort of uh, self-experiments and information like that. Uh, Instagram is, um, I tend to post more often just because I can put up quick little things or ideas of things I might be working on. So that's uh, just quantifiedbob at Instagram uh, or, you know, and Twitter. But I think more people tend to be on Instagram because it's a little more of a visual medium and we can share it. You know, people tend to aggregate around interest on that. So yeah, you can find me on either of those. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, I'll be, uh, down in Miami at the, uh, biohacking Congress event. So, um, I'm excited about that because, uh, it's finally good to see these events picking up again, uh, after, after, you know, this, everything was kind of shut down for so long. Yeah. 
And that's going to be a fun one. So hopefully, uh, you know, listeners can make it down there, watch you speak in person, check out all the other biohackers and all the cool goodies they're going to have there. And again, if you are watching and you're like, how do I go? I can't go. You can win a free virtual ticket. Just leave a review on Apple iTunes of Holistic Nootropics Podcast. Shoot it to me at info at holisticnootropics.com and I will send you a free ticket and you could watch our dude, Quantified Bob, lay it down at the Biohacking Congress. Um, Bob, again, really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I'm going to send all the viewers your way in the show notes that'll come out as soon as this is released. Um, I will send all of that everybody's way. And viewers, if you did enjoy the podcast, remember to rate, review, subscribe, and keep up with us. Keep up with the podcast. Keep up with Bob. And we'll catch you on the next podcast. Thanks so much for watching. Peace. Thanks for listening. For more brain-boosting info, in-depth articles, and show notes, check out holisticnootropics.com.